0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, May 31st, 2021. Happy Memorial Day everyone. I hope you are enjoying some time off from work or some time with family or friends and that as you do all that, uh, may we all give some thought to what this day is all about. Those who have given their life in the service of our country. And one Bible verse that gets brought up frequently on a day like today is the words of Jesus when he says, greater love has no one than this, than one laid down his life for our, for his friends. And may we truly be thankful for those who have given their lives uh, to protect us. But even just as we think about that idea of love, what is love all about? And that's what we want to start thinking about as we dig into Scripture together today by looking at 1 Corinthians 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is a famous chapter on love in the Bible. And even as I was reading, an old, old song came into my head, a song that kind of came out of the Jesus movement, Uh, a little chorus that was written from this psalm. And the chorus says, if I have not charity, another word for love, if love does not flow from me, I am nothing, Jesus, reduce me to love. And I was thinking a lot about that, uh, those lyrics, reduce me to love. And how love really reduces ourselves. Uh, we become less when we love others. And even that got me thinking a lot, not just about First Corinthians chapter 13 today, but also about the context of First Corinthians chapter 13, going all the way back even to uh, chapter 8, where Paul begins by saying, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, that idea of knowledge, you know, increases us. Love kind of reduces us to increase others. And then we get into chapter 12 and we'll see now 13, obviously in the middle of chapters 12 and 14, where there's a lot of discussion about spiritual gifts. And that's even going to come in at the end of this chapter. And we think about how it's just flowed from the last chapter that so many of the Corinthians kind of had a selfish personal focus on their gifts and what they were doing, and uh, really a focus on themselves. And when Paul is saying, no, reduce yourself to love, and love is not about you, it's about others. Let's look again at some of this famous and familiar chapter together. 1 Corinthians 13 starts by saying, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels— And now again, that was one of the spiritual gifts they were talking about and kind of a very flashy, you know, sign gift, a miraculous gift speaking in languages that I had never studied. I never knew. But even if I speak in tongues, if I don't have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The gift is worthless without love. And if I have prophetic powers, another intense gift and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all that I have and deliver my up my body that, to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So great spiritual gifts or abilities or incredible Christian service, all of that, it is nothing if there is no love. So Jesus is saying, hey, everything else you do is reduced if you do not have love. And we need to think through that in our own lives, because even many times, what do we value even about ourselves? Oh, I value that I'm good at this. Or, oh, I value, you know, that I am very sacrificial. Well, what we want to value is love. And love will Always be focused on other people and even see how it is fleshed out in verses four through seven. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So even as you see those things, it shows us how love expresses itself. And even how maybe some of these spiritual gifts, think all the way back to chapter eight again, and knowledge, that knowledge is a good thing, but without love, it's it's not so good. So knowledge with love though is good. And that knowledge will through love then be patient and kind, not envious, not boasting, not arrogant or rude. And so as we think about all these things, we want to, again, realize the focus is not on us. The focus is not on our gifts or the activities that we are doing. There needs to be a focus on our heart. And that will ultimately be less and less about us and more and more about other people. Where is your focus today? Are you truly living a life of love? Can you cry out like that old song and say, Jesus, reduce me to love. That it's not about my gifts. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about the heart behind it that I genuinely care about other people. And spend some time praying through those middle verses that God would flesh out all of those attributes in you. That you would be patient and kind. That you would bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. You know, you look sometimes at Christian ministries, and you see some things where there's problems, even though you're like, but there's incredible gifting. What's going on here? Many times, unfortunately, the answer is there's a lack of love, right? Because gifting without love is nothing. And so many times when we're faced with difficult situations, especially when it deals with other people, what we need to do is come back to chapters like this and say, God, help me to love. Jesus, reduce me to love. And even as we think about love, we're going to kind of move to an example that's not as positive as we go now back to the Old Testament, 2 Samuel verse chapters 13 and 14. Uh, 2 Samuel 13 and 14. And remember, we just read about David and Bathsheba, and that is very much a turning point in this book because things are going to start kind of coming off the rails here in chapter 13. We read about one of David's sons, raping one of David's daughters uh, from a different mother in this chapter. And then the full brother of that sister avenges her honor by killing the other brother. So in chapter 13, uh, David has one son, you know, commit this terrible sin of rape of one of his daughters, right? So David has one son that Uh, commits rape a daughter that is raped and then a son that dies and a son that kills and then that son kind of runs away into exile that's a lot of bad things going on in the house of david in that chapter but what i want us to realize is this didn't just come out of the blue when we consider god's words through the prophet nathan a lot of these things that we're going to start seeing god says are a consequence of his sin with bathsheba as one commentator put it very well on this passage, the next time uh, sin looks attractive to you, think about these things that happened to David, right? The next time you're tempted to do what David did in Second Samuel chapter 11 and commit adultery, think about uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13 and what David experienced as a result of that and how destructive sin can be. But then in chapter 14, we see more of the dynamics between uh, David and Absalom. And I'm saying this is not a great picture of love between this father and son. And I think there's a couple sides of things. We never really see repentance uh, from Absalom, right? He never seems to express regret over what he did to Amnon and how he handled that. And I think that's one thing that doesn't really allow him and David to be fully reconciled. But also then we see David not really expressing that compassion towards his son, where his son is away for years and then comes back to Jerusalem, but David still won't see him. It doesn't seem that David is doing everything on his side to reconcile the situation. So, and we're going to see the problems between David and Absalom turn into a full-fledged civil war here uh, in the next few chapters that we will look at. So what we're seeing here in David is some of the bitter fruit that came as a result of his sin. And it should be a warning to us as we face temptation. But thankfully, we have a God who delivers, and that's really what Psalm 68 is about. Psalm 68, and today we're looking at verses 11 through 18, and as we consider this psalm, remember that aspect of deliverance, right? God will arise, his enemies will be scattered, he's a father to the fatherless, and a protector of the widow. And in this part, some of this gets a little confusing, but these first four verses really just focus on the idea of uh, a victory over uh, a king's enemies, right? You have the women gathering even and uh, seeming to sing, right? They're announcing the news of this great victory that has been won. And so we see that in these four verses. And then the next four verses, we see um, they're talking about these other mountains and almost acting like they are are jealous of uh, where, where God dwells they're they're jealous of this place uh, where God's glory is going to dwell and even there's an interesting phrase that Sinai is now in the sanctuary we think of that as a holy mountain where the ten Commandments were given and the law but now as one commentator put it the Ark of the Covenant is a kind of a portable Sinai, conveying God's presence to his people. And now it's going to come rest on a new mountain. Uh, and so it's kind of celebrating these things here in Psalm 68. And we'll really get into some great stuff tomorrow about just how we should respond to that and what we should think about this great God who wins victories, who is a deliverer. And we'll, we'll see more about that tomorrow. Uh, finally today, we're going to look at Jesus' words in Mark. Mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 27. And here again, Jesus is challenged two more times. And I think we see both times, um, these people are not coming and asking questions in good faith. They are asking questions designed to trap Jesus. And we see Jesus flip things, um, on their heads, right? Uh, the, The Pharisees come and some of the Herodians, that was an unlikely combination, and it explicitly says they came to trap him. And so they ask him about taxes and what they should do. And Jesus, he sees right through it. He says, why do you put me to the test? And he gives the famous line, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And next the Sadducees come and they ask this really long question, complicated question about the resurrection and Jesus, he answers the question, but really rebukes them that they don't believe in the scriptures and they don't believe in the power of God to resurrect him. And I think here we see a warning that when we try to really twist God's words to use them against him, or we try to twist God's words to get our own way, uh, that's never ever going to work. Right. And even maybe we think about our obligation to government and we need to be challenged by the words of Jesus here to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But also notice the second part and to God, the things that are God's. Right. He rebukes them both ways. Hey, you're not thinking right about this politically, but the bigger problem is you're not thinking right spiritually because your life isn't about honoring God. And here in the second question, he says, yeah, you know, the resurrection's not like that. There's not marriage in the resurrection, but the bigger problem is you don't believe in the scriptures and you don't believe in the power of God. Uh, May we be people that are truly seeking God, rendering to God the things that are God's. And just as we think about all of these uh, things, we want to respond the way Jesus would want us to respond. And even may we consider, as we ask different questions about the Christian life or or what we should think about this or that, remember that without love, we are nothing. So may we remember that this Memorial Day. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.